Welcome to the Abbot Loop Community Church Podcast. Enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. We're uh, in a series on identity, and we're talking all about who we are in Him and how when we discover who we are in Him, it actually launches us into the safest, healthiest, uh, grace and stress-free driven lifestyle. All right, so one of the first things we talked about in the very beginning of the series was about getting God in the right place of your life. So there's a God space in your life, and God made you for it, and it's called the Godhead. And if I want you to imagine it like a circle, there's a circle. And, uh, and you can choose who you want to be your God. You get to choose that. But there's only one God, and there's only one true living God, and he is unchangeable and unshakable. So what happens is if you put something in the Godhead space that isn't God himself, Jesus, then it could change. It could shift. And when it does, your whole life slips into peril because your identity is rooted into your Godhead. In fact, the Godhead in your life identifies you. And so when Jesus becomes in his rightful place in the Godhead space, then when the things around us, the life around us begins to shift and change and press into us, we stay the same because we're rooted in him. Him, he who never shifts. Okay, we're gonna talk about your place, discovering your identity as a part of the body. You are actually made for more than just a relationship with God. You are made for a relationship with his people, his kids. You're made to be in a nation, in with a people. In fact, God made you so purposefully that he made you specifically to contribute and be a part of that body. So your identity is connected to being a part of the body. You will not discover who you truly are, your true identity, till first Jesus is in the Godhead space and you take your place in the body. You have to discover who you are and how you're fit in, and you'll discover who you really are. Both will identify that Jesus is Lord all the time. All right? Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. You also are like living stones. You're being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Look, you're alive and you're a stoner. Wait, you're alive and you're a stone. I'm just seeing if you're awake. You're a living stone. No stoners in here. Just because it's legal, it's not beneficial. Amen. Not lately. You abandoned that a long time ago. Good for you. You are living stones. And there's something happening. God made you alive through the power of Jesus Christ. And you're fit in. You're being built in. God is building you into something. And it's a spiritual house. It's a body, actually, a living body knit together. And look, to be a holy priesthood, the priesthood is actually to minister, spiritual ministry. You're called to spiritual ministry, to the house, to the other living stones. And you're called to be fit in. This is your calling. It's part of your identity. You're called to be, you are like, you are, and you're called to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God 
through Jesus Christ. When Jesus is the Godhead in your life, he begins to do ministry in and through your life, and he begins to fit you in and move you closer to his glorious thing he calls his body. The body is the church, is the house. It's all the same. It's one thing, and it's alive. And we make it up. And so when we start to look at the church and we see the church in a wrong way or we mistakenly think that our identity is just magically we're the only one in all of Christ's kingdom that is called to be outside of the church. Well, I know all you other people are called to be in the church, but God gave me this lone calling to be out by myself. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You might feel safer out there, but you're really not. It's perceived safety. Sometimes when we don't know how to have safe connection, we create a safe distance. But in that safe distance, we then have all kinds of detriment. In fact, you lose your identity. You lose sight of who you really are, and you will never reach your full potential because you're not being tested. You're not being loaded. Every leader needs a load to develop. Every gift needs to be tested, used, functioned to get better at it. I mean, how many guys ever tried to juggle before, ever in your life? Right? Anybody? How many of you were able to juggle on your first try? Promise you, it's not humanly possible. To juggle on your first try, I don't think that's humanly possible. I spent an entire year, every day pretty much, driving my wife crazy and my neighbors below me learning how to juggle. And it took me a lot of months till I finally did it for the first time. Because it takes practice. It takes practice and you need to try your gifts out to develop them and that's how you discover part of who you are, a part that God made you. So let's look at Romans chapter 12. We're gonna dive into pretty much just a big, huge, chunky chunk of uh, Romans 12. Chunky chunk is a uh, theological term. Okay, <clears throat> it's a biblical interpretation term. Hermeneutics, it's in there, no. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give. I plead with you to give. Give what? Your bodies to God. I plead with you, pleading with the church now, to offer up your body, your whole life, to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Part of your identity is to offer up your life as an offering to your God. And to give it to him as a holy sacrifice. God, this isn't my life, I offer it to you. If you want to discover who you are, you have to first offer your whole life and give it to him. Your best life and your identity is when you place your whole self and life in him. And this is true worship. This is truly the way to worship him. If you wondered what worship was about, you just got a worship lesson. It's to give your whole life to him. God, you're in control. I surrender it to you. When we worship in song, it's about taking our whole being and offering it to him as a sacrifice. 
Do you know that even in the deepest core, the smallest thing they can find inside of your atom, inside of your body, and the nucleus, is a sound wave. They can't see anything else. It's, it's a, like a musical note. In your, at the cellular level of, of, your, uh, of your being has a connection. When you sing, it, you make a spiritual and holistic connection in offering your life up as a sacrifice to God. When you worship in song and we do it together, we're saying, God, it's not me. It's all about you. I'm just worshiping you. I'm giving my whole life to you and I'm identifying when I come to church, I'm a part of the body. I, this is my identity with you and with them. And I do it in song. We do it all together in unison saying, you're God, I'm not, I give my life to you. That is, a, that is why it's such a powerful thing for us to gather together to worship. All right. Don't copy the behaviors and the customs of the world, but let God transform you in a new, into a new person by changing the way you think. When you start to think different, you begin to shift who you are. You actually become more like him when you think like him. If you think like him, then you, you're gonna be shaped like him. God wants to bring your thinking your, into alignment with who he is. When we worship him and we offer our life to him, then all of a sudden our identity becomes to ring true when we start to see the way he sees. But it's gonna be a transformation of how you see and think. If you think that the body of Christ or the church is some old kind of dead thing that God's done with, you're seeing it wrong. And if we see the church as some organized thing that, that God is not a part of, and it's something that man is only doing, then we're gonna distance ourselves from it or then see that it doesn't have value to us, feel like it doesn't have value, and then we will not add value. We'll distance and separate. But if I see and I allow God to transform the way I think that God's body, the body of Christ, is his idea, his plan, and my true identity will be discovered in it, Man, then I see it differently. Now I move toward the body and see it as not some relic. This is crazy thinking, guys, that, that organized religion is something God did not make. The church is his body. And we like to use these words like organized, and then we make it religious. And we're like, oh, that's bad. Then we build off of that idea and we say, these are all the things I don't like about it and why I shouldn't be a part of it. Rather than right thinking, and we align ourselves to what God is saying, is no, this is my body. I call it the church, but it's my body. And it's alive. And it's fit. And it's fit for worshiping me, Jesus says. Not me, but Jesus talking to himself. It's fit for worshiping Jesus. That felt weird for a moment. I don't want to be struck with lightning. Fit to worship Jesus himself. And it is not some relic, it's adaptable, it's, it's flexible. It's the, the, the church is not designed to only work in one function. The church works in communism, it works in poverty, the church works in third world countries, it works in capitalism where it, it, we're thriving and we have freedom. God made the church adaptable because it's around people who are dynamic and can move and can operate any way. But it is about us being having our lives given to him, we find our identity first in him and then being a part of his body. His church is still him, guys. It's his body. He made you to be a part of it. 
He's going to change the way you see it, though. If you don't see it right and you don't see it as something valuable to you, you need to shift what you think and how you see. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. Come on, man. I want to know God's will for me. When he brings my thinking into alignment with him and my worship into alignment with him and I give my life and my body as a sacrifice to him, all of a sudden I start to see his will. It's very clear. What do you have for me to do that's good and pleasing and perfect for you? He'll show you. But this is the context of which he starts to teach us about our life in the body, okay? Our life in the body only first works when we understand he's God. And then our job is to offer our lives as a sacrifice to him. And that's true worship. And I'm called to be fit in, and you're gonna change the way I think, and I'm gonna serve you, God, in that space. This is how we start to look at the body. And this is the first thing that Paul challenges, and the Holy Spirit is challenging us to do as we're fit into the body. Verse three, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. That's pretty good. Don't think you're better or more than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself. So I, I think, you know what, the practices of the church is so much more about our honest evaluation of other people instead of our honest evaluation of us. He says, don't evaluate everybody else. He says, evaluate you. When you get an honest evaluation of yourself, then you can understand who you really are and move into a real space where you can contribute. When you first are a child of God, it's less about what you do and it's more about who you are. Your assignment is temporary. Your identity in Christ lasts forever. And so when my identity is on the rock, then I get an assignment. I have an honest evaluation of how good I, good I am as a worship contributor. And that's why I don't use the microphone. <laughs> honest evaluation. For your sake, I want to keep adding value to the body of Christ. I make a beautiful noise unto the Lord. Emphasis on noise, right? But an honest evaluation, and you know what? If you're honest with yourself all the time, even a pro athlete knows when it's time to retire. <laughs> we know when it's a time to engage, and, you, and when you have an honest uh, evaluation of yourself, you know when it's time to retire. But I'm only serving as a pastor. I am not a pastor. Pastor's what I do. It's a gift God gave me. Preaching's what I do. It's a gift God gave me. Feeding's what I do. It's a season that God gave me in my life, and I want to steward it well with the best of my ability, but it's not who I am. Honest evaluation of who I am does not come with me comparing myself to other people. It comes with me being the best me I can be to add the most value to the body of Christ that he's put me with. Not in charge of, with. With. Don't think that you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself, measuring yourself by the faith God has given you. It's by the faith that he gave you. That's what you measure. It, it, and, and it's okay. It's what you have. Be faithful with that and use that. Know who you truly are. Humility helps you understand and have an honest evaluation of yourself. But the focus is on 
the goal of the body moving and being healthy, not your individual role. But one of the things that we fall into, we make mistakes all the time, is that not about, it's about not truly loving who we are. And, and, and when you love who you are as a child of God, before your service, your act of service, it's when you're going to really love yourself the most. And, and, and when you love the assignment he calls you to, whether it be sweeping the floors, right? It's how Reed sweeps floors. Reed has a Walkman. He plays old school tapes, puts it on, foot loose, dances around with his broom. It's weird, but I totally love it about him. It's contributing. He's still sweeping. He can sweep however he wants to sweep. That's a youth pastor's prerogative, right? You just loving whatever it is he called you to do. Because our, our goal isn't to compare or want to be the things that we're not. So many times we don't have an honest evaluation. We have a comparison instead of how, where someone else is at. And everybody wants to be the best thing at whatever because then we get the most attention. But instead, when we truly understand that our identity is as a son, as a daughter, and we're, our identity will be realized when we become a part of the body and we're adding value to the body, and, and in whatever season and contribution we can and be allowed to serve in, it's just about adding that value. And when I have that honest evaluation of myself, instead of feeling bad about the fact that I'm sweeping floors, I'm glad about it. I'm excited about it. I have to be honest. Probably my favorite times, because I was totally not honest just a minute ago. I'm going to be honest now. No, I hate it when I say that. It's such a weird thing to say. <laughs> I, you know a car salesman, they always say that stuff to you. I'm not trying to say that. I want, I want to be authentic right now about something in my life. My favorite seasons of church life was when I was serving as like the PowerPoint guy and, and the chair setup person. I think my heart, there was so much less weight and difficult things to process and sort out. I remember serving under Pastor Wendell Smith, who was an amazing preacher and a man of faith. And the messages he would deliver were unbelievable. Transformed my life. And I remember him preaching. I got to be his PowerPoint guy. I was like so excited to be the PowerPoint guy. And I remember just, I mean, I wanted to serve him and the church to my best. Just get the button at the perfect time. Bam. <laughs> Bam. There's another one. I'm not even joking. I love that time. And I mean, it's like when the Lord called me and I was like just serving. I got told the pastor at this small little church out in the country, what can I do to serve? I want to help. He's like, man, I need somebody to set up the chairs every day and pack them up. I'm like, done. I love that season of my life. Simple, active service, blessing and serving. Doesn't matter what I felt like I was called to do. I felt I was called to preach. Preach to thousands. So what? I gotta, my job right now is to do chairs. And you got to love and have an honest evaluation of where you're at every season. Let's look at how we're a part of the body. We're called to be a part of the body. Romans 4, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, we, but we all belong to each other. Uh-oh. We just learned a couple things. You are a part of the body and you have a special function. A special function. 
And, and it's designed to be a part of. You belong to each other. You might have came in here and not understood it, but you belong to somebody. I want you to look to somebody and say, I belong to you. It's going to be weird. I know it's going to be awkward. Look at them, say, I belong to you. Uh, even if their breath is bad, don't worry about that. The, it didn't say if they have good hygiene, then you belong to each other. It didn't say that. It says when Jesus is the head, you're part of the body. When you make Jesus your Lord, you're now part of the body. And you belong. And you're made to fit in. And you have a special gift. In fact, you have lots of gifts, not just one. And God will use all kinds of different gifts throughout different seasons if you have the humility to allow him. In his grace, verse six, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Wow. We're called to bring our best in service, whatever it happens to be. Whatever we do, we're supposed to bring our different gifts and we're supposed to bring them and do things well. If, if, so if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. Okay, here's the principle. is when you're fit into the body, you don't, you accurate assessment of who you are, right? You don't overreach with your gift. With as much faith God has given you. If, if, look, you might not be able to prophesy with as much faith as Eleanor has. Totally okay. There's not a lot of Eleanors out there. But God gives us some. Thank God. And, but that doesn't mean if you prophesy and your faith is smaller that your prophecy is less valuable. We equate quantity and with value all the time. More is always better in American thinking. But it's not true. More is not always better. More chocolate is good to a point. <laughs> then it's not better anymore. The results of more chocolate is not better. And always, especially when acne breaks out, bad days, right? More is not always better. Bigger is not always better. We have to trust God with the contribution he has really assigned us to, and then we lean into that, and with as much faith as God has given us, we don't compare we add, we add value, our value, to the best of our ability. If your gift is serving, serve others. Don't boss them around. Serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is encouraging others, this is really shocking, encourage. Dude, if you have the gift of encouragement and you're discouragementing others, stop it. We need you. Don't be a bummer. Be an encourager. Please, we need you. We need the gift of encouragement, man. How many of you guys ever had a bad day and you need an encourager? And some people have that gift, and it is a blessing. Do not underestimate your gift of encouragement. If it's giving, steal often. No, if it's giving, give generously. Don't be a thief if you have the gift of giving. If God has given you leadership, ability, take the responsibility seriously. Here's the principle. Whatever your gift is, take your responsibility seriously. It's a big deal. Your contribution is important. And if you have the gift of showering kindness, please use it and do it to others. Be kind and do it gladly. 
Think about this, whatever your gift is, take it seriously, do it gladly. Take it seriously, do it gladly. You have a gift. Your gift is made to be fit into the body. You won't discover who you truly are until you allow God to fit you in, until you start to use your gift and practice it and learn. God's gonna teach you all about who you are. He's gonna, he's gonna shape you into the likeness of his son throughout seasons of winning, seasons of losing, though he leads you through the valley of the shadow of death. Leads you. What are you learning in your valley? As he leads you with his people, he guides you, he shepherds you, shepherds us well. He's a good shepherd. And he's leading us to be like his son. And he's leading us to love each other along the way. But take your responsibility seriously and do it with gladness. Man, wouldn't it be great if God just raised up a whole bunch of kindness gifts? Oh, thank you, Lord. God gives a really good job description for his church. It's, it's actually very good, and it's in verse nine. There, there's specifics on how God wants us to operate and treat one another. And it, when your identity is rooted in to how you follow these guidelines, you're gonna learn who you are and you're gonna understand better who you are when you treat the body of Christ right, well. Don't pretend, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. This isn't the show. It's real. Don't just pretend, but really do it. Hate what's wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. It's got to be real from your heart. It can't be false or fake. And when it's tested, you don't run. You know when it's genuine is when it gets shaken and you just run. In John 10, Jesus talks about himself like the good shepherd. And see, when the wolf comes in to strike the sheep, sheep, the hired hands run. They're there for a different purpose than just to serve the master, okay? But when the enemy comes and he shakes and he attacks, the good shepherd says, hey, I'm right here. Come on, sheep. We're all coming together. That's how we all are called to be. But that comes from genuine love. Genuine love works through, presses on, doesn't just give up. Come on. Really love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Not just the oldest, not just the most handsome, not just those in leadership. Honor each other. Everyone. I'm talking the whole body now. Every part of the body is called to honor each other to the best of their ability all the time. It doesn't have age, doesn't have gender, doesn't have race, no qualification. Do you love Jesus? You're a part of the body. It, your identity is in him and in the body and to be knit in the body. And our job is to honor each other. You know, we gotta get better at this. This is a challenge in our churches where we rise up and we begin to speak better about one another. We begin to love one another. We begin to genuinely love by honoring each other of all types. And it's like, Whatever, if it's the thing that we would say is, oh, this lowly thing, you're an elbow in the body of Christ. Oh, hey man, elbows are important things, right? And, and we wanna see that thing function. We honor every part, not based in comparison, which one we like to use the most. 
Verse 11, this is one of my favorite instructions. This your job description is a part of the body. Never be lazy. What? But work hard and serve the Lord. Just, just focus on that. Your job, this, the bedrock of this context is in giving our lives to God as an offering, a sacrifice to him. First to him. So when we work, we work to the Lord. We work for him. God, I'm showing up. I'm gonna sweep the floor. I'm doing it for you. And I'm doing it in submission and in service to the authority you placed in your church, but it's for you. Because I'm submitted in the body. I honor the body. I'm submitted in authority in the body, but I honor you, God, by the way I work. I don't work as if I think sweeping floors is not important. I'll sweep them like this. Whatever. It's just a floor. No, no, no. Everything I do is for him. And I do it enthusiastically. With a great attitude, fired up. I used to teach my kids, and I stopped teaching them this because it got annoying. I was teaching them about the character trait of enthusiasm. And as my older kids, uh, and I've got three older ones and then three younger ones, and my older ones are 22, 20, and then now 16. He's driving too, by the way. Look out. He's on the road. <clears throat> but I was teaching them, and they're, and they're, they're like doing the dishes, and they're all like, oh, dishes are terrible. I hate the dishes. So I go like, I'm going to teach these kids about enthusiasm. Work as in the Lord enthusiastically, so I start teaching them enthusiasm. So then they get really hyper-focused on enthusiasm. And so then they're like standing in front of the washing machine, the dishwasher, and just going, yeah, ooh, 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 ooh. Ah, just freaking out and clapping. And I'm like, they're not doing any work anymore. Well, man, were they enthusiastic about it? Till they totally wore themselves so tired and out, they could barely do the dishes anymore. <laughs> so I stopped teaching on enthusiasm. It didn't go right for me. Work with. Ah, they forgot the work with part, but whatever, you know. <laughs> work with enthusiasm because we're working for Jesus to expand his kingdom when we get an eternal reward in heaven, right? It's a big deal. Rejoice. Verse 12, rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. Keep on praying. Rejoice, patience, pray. Job description, rejoice, patience, pray. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. We're bringing people in. We're including all the time. But we're gonna be real. We're not gonna pretend. We're gonna hate what's wrong. We're gonna hold tight to what's good. We're gonna love each other genuinely. We're gonna honor each other. We're not gonna be lazy. We're gonna work hard. We're gonna do it with enthusiasm to the Lord. We're gonna rejoice, be patient in trouble, pray, and we're gonna give. We're gonna help people. We're gonna be ready to help people, prepared. It's a big deal. But one of the things that the body of Christ is really called to do, and it needs, we gotta get this shift is if we really want to understand our identity, we have, to get into, we have to get into relationship with one another and, and, and to stay together. And God actually made the body to be a master communicator. Our physical bodies are master communicators. I pulled this clip um, so that we can just look super nerdy into just a little bit of how God made our nervous system uh, to, to drive communication throughout our physical bodies. Let's examine an individual neuron up close. Here is a peripheral nerve. Each one of the nerve bundles, or fascicles, contains hundreds of individual nerve fibers. 
here's an individual neuron with its dendrites, axon, and cell body. The dendrites are tree-like structures. Their job is to receive signals from other neurons and from special sensory cells that tell us about our surroundings. The cell body is the headquarters of the neuron. It contains the cell's DNA. The axon transmits signals away from the cell body to other neurons. Many neurons are insulated like pieces of electrical wire. The insulation protects them and allows their signals to move faster along the axon. Without it, signals from the brain might never reach muscle groups in the limbs. Motor neurons are responsible for voluntary control of the muscles all over the body. The operation of the nervous system depends on how well neurons communicate. For an electrical signal to travel between two neurons, it must first be converted to a chemical signal. Then it crosses a space about a millionth of an inch wide. The space is called a synapse. The chemical signal is called a neurotransmitter. Neurotransmitters allow the billions of neurons in the nervous system to communicate with one another. That's what makes the nervous system the body's master communicator. Is that amazing? <laughs> How crazy is this? All right, so let's just break this down just a little bit. Okay, so we have these super cables that are like fiber optic cables that have all these crazy amounts of neurons going through them to transmit information. And it's communicating. The body can't move without communication. The body of Christ can't move without communication. Look here. The neur this neuron contains dendrites that are, their job is to gather information, search the surroundings, and transfer that information. This axion, and then the cell body. Let's look, at this, let's look at this one by one. The dendrites, they receive signals from other neurons. You're designed to receive signals. You're actually made to receive communication. It's part of your job. It's part of your basic identity in the body of Christ. Your cell body, it contains a DNA from the life giver himself, Jesus. His DNA, whom you are being made, I am being made into the perfection of Christ. Predestines, Romans 8 says, to be in his image. That DNA is inside of each one of us. The truth of God, the word of God of who he says we are. Who does he say I am? That's in that cell DNA. That cell body is always trying to communicate to me and to others who God says I am and who God says you are. And I darn well better be saying what that cell body is saying. Are you and I transferring in communication who heaven says we are? And are we sharing that communication in a way that is able to be received? And are we living in a way where we're able to receive? Man, that DNA, understanding, hearing the truth, we're going back to what it said there in Romans 12 earlier. It says that God is changing my thinking. And aligning my thinking as part of the body, as part of my identity, is to align my thinking with the truth. It's inside the DNA. The Holy Spirit's living in you, trying to communicate that truth to you, through you, to others. Man, are we in alignment with it? Look at what happens here. This axion, 
It's like this insulator. It's to transfer signals. There's something that's insulating the body of Christ, the communication in the body of Christ, to drive that communication from one place to another. And it's designed, let's look at the next slide, to create movement. That insulation is an insulation that creates movement in the body of Christ. Let's go to the next slide. It, it, it's designed to protect it's designed to protect the communication signals so that they happen in a right way and we get right movement. It's love and trust. Love and trust must always be present in the communication between all of the cells because Roman or Corinthians 12, 13, 14 all talk about that all these actions and pieces that you could be in the body of Christ and do are absolutely nothing. They are meaningless without love. So pursue love above all things because love never fails. Love also never gives up. It never lets go. It always fights for what's right. And it is designed to create movement in the body of Christ, positive movement, not for its own gain, but for Christ's gain. Your job, fit in as the body of Christ, is to be a communicator. It's to be a good one. And it's also to insulate. Love covers a multitude of sin covers up mistakes. Love always trusts. It always hopes. Always forgives. But we have to have this alive inside of who we are. But the communication between the neurons, look at what the enemy wants to disrupt, is, and that what we need to do to really survive is that these dendrites are out there trying to create and transfer this communication. But let's look here. The electrical signal, signals converted into a chemical signal, which is that neurotransmitter. Next slide. And it's, there's a gap here that's called the synapse. It's one millionth of an inch. All communication has separation. All of it. And it gives it a, just enough space. Just enough space to be misinterpreted. God forces you a millionth of an inch to believe the best. Your job as a dendrite is to receive the signal believing the best. <laughs> Come on. Come on. And God's going to convert that. He converts it into a chemical signal that transfers that. It becomes a part of who you really are. And our, but that will only transfer in love. It'll be miscommunicated if we deliver without love or try to receive without love. Love always believes the best. If you are not believing the best about someone else's situation, any kind of circumstances, you're not operating in unity in the body. You're out. Uh, Reed, come here. So, this is Pastor Reed Anderson, the amazing Reed Anderson. So our job in the body of Christ is to try to get, we got to close the gap to get within a millionth of an inch. I'm trying to get a millionth of an inch close to you, okay? But even in that millionth of an inch, that's where the enemy wants to do his work. And so he gets Reed and I to think, you dirty dendrite, I don't need you. 
and I see Reed is now the enemy or the instigator or evil or bad or trying to get me, and I think, you're not really loving. I don't believe the best about him. Then the enemy wins, and instead of having the millionth of an inch to try to close the gap on him and squeeze him out of the body, I then create distance, and now I've really given the enemy a large playground to mess in. Separation and communication creates all kinds of destructive things. And so the lack of communication provokes your imagination, right? That's a good way to think about it. It's all in here is this place for the enemy to provoke your imagination about, oh, you dirty dendrite, you don't really love me? I'm gonna create more and more separation from you because I'm afraid because I need safe distance because I don't know how to have self-safe connection. That chemical connection comes through genuine, real love, not pretending. If you pretend, then it's just like, this is the easy way to solve your problem in the body of Christ. You didn't do exactly what I want. You're a dirty dendrite. I'm out of here. Boom, I'm over. I'm getting away from you because I need safe distance from you. God's called us, guys, to close the gap on the enemy. We gotta get closer and closer, even if it's scary, and we gotta do more and more loving communication. Mastering communication is the foundation for community. Mastering communication is the foundation for community, common unity. That's a slide. You can throw that up there if you see it in there. Mastering communication. It's coming. It's coming. The body is made masterfully to communicate. And next slide. Mastering communication is the foundation for community. Give Reed Anderson a hand. Thank you so much. But God's called us when we, to master this for a purpose, to keep us together. God also, Jesus tells us, and John 10 is a great passage that you can read, is about how he describes himself as the good shepherd and us as the sheep. And sheep are called to flock together. They find their only protection when the shepherd is present and they all get really close. They're a herding animal and that's how they protect themselves. But when they get too separated, they get picked off one by one. God's called us to be sheep in together, tight, and listening to the voice of the good shepherd. Keep the body together. We're gonna close just listening to this here. Romans 12, verse 14. Listening, I'm talking, listening to my own voice while you're listening to it at the same time. It's an amazing thing. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Okay, here's how we're gonna keep the body together. We got our job description. We understand we're part of the body. We're, our identity is in the body. And we're called to keep the body together, to close the gap. Bless those who persecute you. So when somebody is talking bad about you and persecuting you in the body or out of the body, what do you do? Bless them. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. How do you close the gap and squeeze the enemy out? Pray that God will bless those who are persecuting you. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. See, those synapses, uh, they're so close that the, the chemical connection and, and communication is happening where we feel one another. When you feel, I feel. When I feel, you feel. When you're hurt, I'm hurting. When you're sad, I'm sad. When you're rejoicing, I'm rejoicing. We're not ever fighting. We're always in harmony. That's a healthy body. We gotta learn how to do this. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. Dude, if you're an armpit, be okay with being next to the armpit hair. Just think about it like that. <laughs> Don't be too proud, right? Okay. And 
Can somebody get some deodorant around here? Okay, and don't think you know it all. That'll help. Never pay back evil with more evil. If you feel like you've been wronged in the body of Christ, your job is not to go around and harm more people. Your, your job is to pray, to bless, to move closer, to work, to communicate, live in harmony. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you're honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Have you done all that you can? When it says, do your best. Work not lazy, but do your best and work as hard as you can as unto the Lord. Did, did you do your best? And you can honestly before Jesus, because he knows it all. He knows all of our hearts and everything. And say, yeah, God, I gave it my best to live at peace with everyone. I blessed everybody to the best I could. I lived in harmony that I could. Even when they were cursing me, I still did the best I could. Really? You get to stand before Jesus just like me. We're all going to stand there and he's going to really know, did we really live at peace with everyone because we believe in the body so strongly. We believe in what God wanted to do through his body. We don't let the enemy get his way. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God for the scripture says, I will take revenge and I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will bring heap, burning coals of shame on their head. Don't let evil conquer you. Conquer evil by doing good. This is how we stay together. Come on, this is how we stay together. This is your identity. This is my identity. To stay together. To conquer evil by doing good. And the enemy knows that if he can play in that millionth of an inch, he can just work his way in and get you and I to just start fighting with each other instead of working together and communicating, loving, working, blessing. We have a job to do and God wants to move his church and he wants to do it through us, but you have to learn. I have to learn how to cultivate real unity, common unity, community through mastering communication in a loving way. And I have to see myself as a body, the peace, a part of the body of Christ. That's who I am. But I first belong to the good shepherd. Amen. You are a son. Your identity is who he says you are. You're a king. You're a priest. You're holy. You're righteous. You're loved. You're wanted. You are valuable. You're part of the body of Christ. If you choose Jesus. <laughs> And if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I'd love to pray with you today. Would you close your eyes with me for a moment? If anybody's here and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus and made him your Lord, God made it so easy. He came and he lived and he died. He gave his one and only son that you might have life. And whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. And all you have to do is turn your heart to Jesus. Believe he's God. Confess him his God in your life and you'll be saved. If there's anybody here you'd like to pray, just slip your hand up right where you're sitting. I'll pray with you. You can receive Jesus right where you're at. Thank you. I see your hand. Anybody else? Jesus, I'm ready to turn my life over to you. Yeah, thank you. I want to be a part of your body. I want to know you. Save me, God. Anybody else? Let's pray. Just pray this with me. Remember, in your heart, with all your faith, and with your mouth, say, Jesus, I love you. I believe you're God. And I'll receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Come rescue me. Come into my heart. 
and fill me with your presence. Make me like you. I want to serve you with my life. I give it to you now freely. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at abbotloop.org and like us on Facebook. We hope to see you soon.